Happy Sabbath. Good to be here. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be speaking of veterans. I'm a veteran too. Um, I served in the Air Force. I, I, I got out about two years ago. I was um, stationed in Hanscom Air Force Base in Boston. I didn't serve in a time where I had to be hardcore like you guys. No one did the exper experiments on me. Uh, I just went to work and came home. And, um, so I wasn't brave or noble. I, I didn't feel like I was that way. But in the times when I was serving and um, I, I wanted to quit, there was always one thing that, um, that kept me. And it, it, it was kind of a weird thing. But um, I always just wanted to keep going until the next meal. And I know it's, it's, it, feels like, it feels like every time I talk to you guys, I'm talking about food. And I feel really greedy right now, but please, I'm going to pray for you people that are judging me. So um, I used to just, when I was in, in the Air Force and times got hard, I'd just go until the next meal. And I, I, I thought the food in the Air Force was awesome. I think it was probably just, just because I was hungry. But I used to get these waffles and put peanut butter on them with syrup. Whatever, you guys. That, that's that's the awesome meal. If you guys have that for the next potluck, I will be there. Um, so anyway, as I, when I open my Bible, I feel like um, it, it's okay that I have a special relationship with food because I feel like Jesus has one too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, today, I'm, we're just going to talk about food. And thank you for the children's story, Ariana. <laughs> um, I don't have any crackers, sorry. But we're going to talk about food. Today, we're going to talk about um, Jesus and his special relationship with food. Um, we're going to talk about the theology of food. And we're also going to talk about how we can build the kingdom of heaven with food. But first, we're going to pray. Let's close our eyes. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be here. We thank you for the Sabbath, and we thank you for knowing and loving us. We ask that we invite you again to dwell with us here. We ask, you, ask that you would be in our ears, help us to understand the message, be in our eyes, help us see the right things. Father, fill us with your spirit and help us to find ourselves in a closer walk with you after today. And ask, we ask that you would Help this message to remain in our memory so maybe we can tell someone else. So we can help them to listen and see. And we can help them to taste and see that God is good. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so I don't know. Have any of you ever thought that Jesus might have a special relationship with food? Is it, is it just me? Okay, cool. It's not just me. Well, after, after this message, maybe everyone can think about it too. So um, the, from the scripture, we're going to look at three different incidents in, in Jesus' life where he used food as, um, as a tool um, of his curriculum. And I think we'll find, after looking at this, we'll find that Jesus used food not as just an afterthought, but it was a tool in his curriculum um, of him teaching the disciples. So um, we're going to look at three incidents in his life. And as you can tell from the scripture reading, the first one we're going to look at is Jesus' feeding of the multitude. Um, now, in, in the Mark chapter 6 version of this, um, version of this so this, this is actually the only, only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. 
So this miracle had to have stuck in the minds of each of the disciples in a special way. And I'd like to suggest that maybe it's because Jesus brought more than crackers. I'd like to suggest that Jesus' use of food as a tool was able to um, cement these lessons in the minds of the disciples because there was no, no other time that the disciples all remembered. They all remembered that time Jesus gave them those two fish and five loaves of bread. So anyway, in the, um, Mark chapter 6 um, version, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Jesus, they said, Jesus, the people need to eat. And Jesus said to them in a very, I love the way Jesus is so blunt. He said, you feed them. Right? So he said, you feed them. The disciples went out and he told them to search for, for food. So when he told them to search for food, there was 5,000 men plus the women and children. So I'm sure while the disciples were searching, they were searching for a cartload of bread or a donkey full of fish or something. They were searching for huge amounts of food. And if, if you were at your job and your boss told you to go find food for 5,000 people and you came back with a little boy in his lunch, what do you think would happen? You probably have to eat that lunch for the rest of your life, right? Because you lose your job. But the disciples came back to Jesus with a solution for this problem of, problem of feeding 5,000 people with a little boy and his small lunch. And Jesus took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he fed the people so much so that there was 12 baskets left over, right? So in these, in these, um, these incidents, I'd like to point out two lessons. I'd like to point out a lesson that the disciples might have learned, and I'd like to point out a lesson that I learned specifically. Um, I think that Jesus' lesson for the disciples in this incident was a lesson of service. If you, in reading the, um, reading the testimony, Jesus didn't feed anybody, did he? Jesus didn't feed one person. He broke the bread. The disciples, it said, broke, broke the people up into 50s and 100s. Jesus said that the disciples served. Jesus didn't feed anyone. He led the disciples to serve. And this was the lesson that the disciples used after, after Jesus left. When Jesus was crucified and he went into heaven, the disciples used the lesson of serving people to serve in, in, in early Christianity, right? Um, the lesson for me, however, is um, when you have something, no matter how ridiculous your solution is, when you take it to God, when you take the small thing you have to Jesus, Jesus will make it enough. I don't think there's ever been a time in history where someone needed to feed 5,000 people and a, and a small boy's lunch was enough. But in this instance, when you give it to Jesus, it becomes more than enough. Amen? The second incident that I'd like to look at is an incident in, um, in John 21. If you'd like to follow along, follow along in your Bibles, you can turn to John 21, verse 1. So after Jesus was crucified, Peter, James, and John, Thomas, and Nathaniel, and two other disciples that were not mentioned, um, they got in the boat and decided to go fishing all night. They went fishing all night, and they caught nothing. In the morning, as they were, they were nearing the shore, they saw a figure on the shore. The figure on the shore said to them, did you catch anything? Which couldn't have been that uncommon because 
I, I would imagine as fishermen coming back to the shore, there would, there would be people on the shore waiting to buy what they caught. So they replied to the guy, no, we didn't catch anything. So he suggests, throw your net on the other side of the boat. So they do so. And immediately the net is full of fishes. The seven men fishing were struggling trying to bring the net into the boat. So as these seven men are struggling, Peter, the character, shouts, Jesus, and jumps into the water. I would, I would be angry, wouldn't you, if you were struggling to try, try and bring a net full of fish into the boat and your boy just jumps out? Anyway, so Peter finds Jesus on the, on the beach. He's made a fire, and he's making some bread on the fire, and he tells Peter to go and get some of the fish that they just caught that he didn't help bring in. And he would make them breakfast. So Jesus uses this time to, to talk with his disciples and have lunch, have breakfast. And I don't think there's any, there's nothing better than fish, and fish for breakfast. I don't, I don't know about you. I just love fish breakfast. But the lesson, the lesson in this that, um, it, that was for the disciples, let's read them John 21 verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. Jesus was always talking about food. Even in his lessons, he alluded to food. Um, And Jesus repeated this multiple times. Um, I believe that this lesson stuck with the disciples because, of, because Jesus added food to it. Um, and there was, so my third incident, and there's loads of honorable mentions, I'm sure that um, honorable mentions, when Jesus ate with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, there was food involved. When he ate with Peter's mother-in-law, there was food involved. When he ate with Zacchaeus, I'm sure there was food involved. And when Jesus' feet was anointed, was anointed at the Pharisee's house, there was food involved. But the story that, that um, sticks in my mind, and I'm sure you know which one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, is the, the, the Last Supper. And that's the only other, in, that's the other incident that was recorded in all four Gospels. Another incident that was cemented in the minds of the disciples because I believe Jesus used food. Um, in, the, in the feeding, in the Last Supper, Jesus, to- oh, you know what? I didn't tell you the lesson for me. Let me tell you the lesson for me real quick. So the lesson for me um, in the breakfast on the beach is that you can work all night. You can work as long as you want, and you can put as, put as much as of your human effort as possible as you know how. You can use all the common sense you know how, but until you give your efforts to Jesus, you won't receive anything back. Until you, until you give your efforts to Jesus, you won't receive anything back. So now, sorry, back to the... Um, Back to the Last Supper. In the Last Supper, Jesus taught his disciples humility. He taught them service. He taught them, he taught them just how to be together, right? And even after Jesus, Jesus um, was crucified, the disciples remained together. Did they? I think they, they, they did. They, they remained together. And they communed with each other in the same way Jesus, Jesus did with them. Because what Jesus did is that um, he created uh, 
society that could just commune over food. They could get to know they could get to know each other over food, and you don't really know someone until you've eaten with them, right? Um, the lesson for me in the Last Supper is that sometimes, sometimes you gotta eat with someone you don't like. Sometimes you have to eat with people who might not have your best interests at heart, or you have to eat with someone who you might not see eye to eye with, because Jesus dipped his food in the bowl with Judas. After Jesus was crucified, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was talking about Judas too. Um, sometimes we have to eat with people we, we might not like. So Jesus built a community where leaders were nurtured. It was an, he, he provided an example. He was a teacher. And I wonder how much of his curriculum was centered around food. It had to have been more than just these few incidents. But the disciples remembered most the incidents that were centered around food. Now, um, in food, there's a particular, particular theology. Whatever your dietary choices are, there's a cycle of life in food. Something has to die for you to eat your food. Whether you eat meat or as a plant, there's a cycle of life that we we are born, we eat, and we die and we return to the ground who is not prejudiced. He'll take anyone. He doesn't look at our tax returns. The ground accepts us and returns us to the cycle of food. And God has, God has made it so every creature that he's created partakes in the cycle. God could have, God could have made us without, without eating. He didn't have to give us taste buds, but instead we... We enjoy the textures and flavors of, of the world. God's given us a blessing that we're able to, that we're able to partake in food. Um, and it's an opportunity. However, when we overlook the opportunity, there are consequences. Wendell Berry, a farmer and writer, he says, To live, we must break the body and shed the blood of, blood of creation. But when we do so knowingly, lovingly, Skillfully and reverently, it is a sacrament. When we do it ignorantly, greedily, clumsily, or destructively, it is a desecration. In such desecration, we condemn ourselves to spiritual and moral loneliness, and others are in want. We live, we eat, and we die. That's, that's the cycle. And we're all, we all go through the cycle, whether we like it or not. But... We need to be cognizant of the cycle. And when we, when we eat greedily, when we eat clumsily, there becomes people in want. And are there people that need food today? We know there are because we're out feeding, feeding people that need food in Santa Ana today, right? Because food, although it's a blessing from God, it's under attack. If you look on the ingredients of any, anything, any food that you buy... You are lucky to find just, a, just one ingredient that you recognize. Nothing says flour or potatoes or tomatoes anymore. There's some scientific mumbo-jumbo that they throw in things, right? Food isn't, isn't comprised of the same thing it used to be. It's, it's, it's under attack. It's being commercialized. And instead of food being a blessing that builds our bodies, a lot of the time food is something that attacks our bodies and causes us to get diseases and go, go to 
hospitals, right? So the theology of food is under attack. Communities that were united in its preparation have been broken apart by um, greedy corporations. Bread used to be something that a community would come together. One person would plant the wheat. Another person would, would grind it into flour. Someone else would bake it. And the whole community would eat what they'd all worked together to create. But now they just go to the store and buy some bread. And they're not involved in this preparation. So they've had to find different ways of, of making a living. But um, Jesus claims that he is the bread. And bread doesn't just happen by itself. Bread, in its initial, original way, was to be made by a community. Everyone would be involved in making the bread, and they'd, they'd share in eating it. Right? Jesus wants us to be made in the same way. If we are Christians, and we proclaim to be followers of Jesus, we want to be the bread in the same way as he is. And we need to be made by the work of a community. When Jesus, Jesus said that he was a bread, and in the, the Last Supper, in the same way as in the feeding of the 5,000, he broke the bread and blessed it. And the breaking of his body, to me, is symbolic to, to the breaking of our bodies. The pain that we go through is the same, same pain that Jesus went through. The tears that flow from our eyes are the same tears that flow from the eyes of Jesus. Um, our pain connect, connects us. Jesus connected, connected himself completely with our eating experience. In communion the other day, Jesus said that um, when you break this body, remember me, right? Jesus didn't say, when you break my body, remember me once a quarter at communion. He said, when you break my body, break this, break this bread, think of me. So every time we, we eat, and I don't know about you, but I eat almost every day. You know, every time we eat, it's an opportunity to remember the sacrifice that Jesus, Jesus gave to us. Every time we eat, it's not only an opportunity to remember the sacrifice, but it's an opportunity to unite as a family, as Jesus did at the Last Supper, as Jesus did on the beach, as Jesus did when he fed the multitudes, and, and he did multiple times in, in his story. Food is an opportunity, and using this opportunity we can enhance and build our community because food is a cement that builds, that can build our community. Because food is under attack and people are in want, we have the opportunity to use Jesus to, to supply people's needs. We can give people food and people are always looking for Jesus, but they don't always know that it's Jesus that, that they're looking for. Sometimes they might think they're looking for a sandwich. Sometimes they might think they're looking for, looking for something else, but we can provide their needs and give them some Jesus on the side, right? The opportunity in food is that we can eat together. Every single one of us eats. Every single one of us holds at least one thing in common, right? We can all eat together. And that's, that's the way Jesus intended. The one blessing that remains of, of, from creation is that we all share eating. Um, one thing that I remember about my family, my dad was a pastor in, in London, and I remember that on Sabbaths, we would just go to, pe go to people's houses and eat. 
And to this day, I, I remember the things I learned from those people from sharing, from sharing food with them. When you break bread with someone, you really get, get to know them. And that's the same thing that, that Jesus did. And it's building a community. And we as Seventh-day Adventists, we kind of, we're under the impression that it's the, the truth that we have that, that builds our community, right? We think it, it's our truth that is the center of our community, but really, we are the center of the community. Because when people leave the church, they don't ever leave shouting that Jesus isn't real. They, they complain about how we treated them. And when we build our community, the truth goes around that. So the center of our community needs to be built upon food and community and just loving each other. I was hoping today was potluck. So uh, I could end the sermon with, um, let's, let's eat. But I'm sure that we're all going to do it anyway. So um, as we eat, when we eat together, I'd like to invite you to share this opportunity to just remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave us. As you eat tomorrow, do the same thing. As you eat with each other, remember the opportunity to build, opportunity to build community because Jesus did it too.